Morning, everybody. I'm Rog, for those of you who don't know. Uh, welcome to BCC. We're glad that you're here. We're continuing our series on um, walking ancient paths. Tim began, us, uh, began this last week as we looked in briefly into the book of Jeremiah, and we thought because we're heading into this sea, uh, season of Lent, uh, a season which uh, many different denominations take, which is uh, 40 days plus. It's actually 46 days, but six of the days are Sundays. So this is the first Sunday of Lent. And um, we usually uh, like to fast or let go of things um, in order to focus about what Jesus has done in preparation for when we celebrate Easter, our living hope. So Sundays can be a feast day. For those of you who are trying to work out, there's no way I can deny myself this, you can pig out on a Sunday, okay. Uh, but that's not the whole point, but we'll come on to that in a moment. So Jeremiah actually is encouraging, the prophet Jeremiah is encouraging the nation of Israel to go back to the former ways, to go back to the ways that will connect us with God in a substantial way, in a way that brings reality, in a way that dismisses religiosity, and a way that actually connects us to our living hope. And there are a variety of different ways from repentance to fasting to slowing down, uh, from denying ourselves to moments of quiet. There's a, a number of different ways. But sure is for one thing, and it certainly is for me, you're not going to like one of them. Because one of them is actually going to have effect on your being. And we'll unpack that a little bit in a moment. How is it going to affect your being? Because there's this internal conflict that you are going to fight against as we think about spiritual disciplines. And why are they there? Are they to make us like the Pope? Nope. Are they to make us like monks? Nope. Are they to make us more like Jesus? Yes, because you see, Jesus practiced some of the ancient paths. Now, when Timothy was constructing, our Timothy, Pastor Timothy, when Timothy was constructing, actually, our series, um, he, he divided it up, and I noticed um, that my name got dumped on some really difficult ones that he thought I needed to improve upon. <clears throat> so uh, I'm looking at self-denial and fasting. <laughs> so I was like, oh, come on, really? I'm the epitome of self-denial and fasting. But uh, hey, I've, I've learned some things over 40 years, so I shall come on to that. Uh, but the funny thing is that uh, Nikki, uh, you're on in two, no, next week, no, two weeks' time, Nikki is doing slowing down. Everybody, invite your friends, bring as many people as you can, because that is going to be a story to actually hear. How do we slow ourselves down in a mad, mad, rushing world? After I finish preaching, I hope to make it shorter, because I want to spend some more time around the communion table. Here is a table that reflects everything that we need to know about self-denial. Everything, the supreme person who self-denied. So you know this in Philippians chapter 2. He gave up heaven's glory, so letting go, became a suffering servant, died on a cross. And he even said at times, and we forget this, Jesus in his humanness, and we're going to focus in a little bit about our wills, in his humanness, on the night before the crucifixion, when he was actually in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we'll catch up with that story in about four or five weeks' time. In his humanness, he said, Father, Father, 
do I have to do this? This is me paraphrasing. Is there another way? And he was shedding tears, they say. And what did he say? What's that little caveat that he says after that? He, he says, not my will, but your will. And here's something that we need to learn as we go through this whole aspect of self-denial and also fasting. And I've put the two together because I think there's some uh, similarities but differences. So many of us in Lent are thinking about, well, I might give up chocolate. Is that fasting? Well, maybe. But what does actually fasting mean? What was its original intention? And how does it then affect us? And what do we do? So we're going to look at what Jesus says about self-denial and what Jesus says about fasting and then think applicationally how you and I can apply that to broaden not only our spiritual depth but to take us closer to who Jesus is in the life that we're trying to follow. Are you up for the challenge? Because it's a challenge. It is a challenge. Father, Jesus, you gave up so much for me. We sung words of praise. We thought about you as a living hope. And now, Father, we are coming to look at your word. Spirit, would you show us the will of the Father? Holy Spirit, would you show us in our innermost being what we must do? Because we want to be more like you, Jesus. Not just be saying that we do, but acting like we do. Amen. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. It will be up on the screen and we're looking at verse 34. Jesus is talking about the way of the cross. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his Father's glory with the holy angels. Wow. There's something to think about. If we want to follow him, we've got to give up stuff. And there seems to be a reverse psych, psychological effect here that Jesus is actually saying, if you want to win your life, you've got to lose something. You've got to give up something. You've got to let go of something. It's pretty obvious to most of us when we consider those words that we just read that you must take up the cross and follow me. We know and understand what the cross is, especially if we've been following Jesus for a while. It was that uh, machinery, those pieces of wood that caused serious, shameful, despised, cursed death. It was unpleasant. It wasn't a pretty sight. 
It was torture to its extreme. And how do we feel about that thing that Jesus says, take up your cross? It sits so uncomfortably with us in our culture of comfort, of wanting to be liked, of wanting to be accepted, of wanting to be favored. H- how do we actually do that and, and can we do that? It's a deep, deep question. We'll come back to that deep, deep question. You know, in my life as I've grown up, there are some things that I really, really wanted and really, really desired. But you know what? As I've grown up, I'm not quite fully grown, but as I'm growing up, I've worked out that some of the things that I used to really focus in and spend my attention on and were really, really important to me, guess what? They're not really that important anymore. (laughs) It's not because I've become particularly any wiser, I don't think. It's because I thought, why have I spent all that time wanting that? And, And actually, it hasn't made a significant difference in my being. It's usually because that something that I wanted was stuff. Having that stuff was going to transform my happiness strategy. I was going to look cool. I was going to have the biggest bike ever. I was going to do that, whatever it may be. But it actually, over a period of time, and in my own personal circumstances, I worked out that actually relationship is more important than stuff. Stuff comes, stuff goes. As the old saying goes, and as the Bible tells us, you came into this world with nothing, guess what you're going to go out with? Nothing. And so that in-between stuff, that in-between my time span of here on earth, the days that God numbers are right, some of it that I thought was important, oh, come on, it has no real relevance anymore. And we can focus on things that have no real relevance anymore. And I ask you the question, because this will become apparent as we start to actually unpack this a little bit. What are you focusing on now that has no real relevance? Because the weird thing is, God knows us, and he knows that actually if we deny ourselves some things, we actually will be filled with delight with something. It's a reverse psychological thing. It's the, it's the way that God works that actually you don't need that stuff. What you need is this stuff. And this stuff will make you be delighted. But we believe that that stuff will make us be delighted when it doesn't at all. You see, our old selves want honor, comfort, life, more than the love of Jesus. And Jesus says, you need to deny that stuff. Does it mean that we must become the most miserable people on the face of the world? No, it doesn't. It means that actually we view things like he views things. You see, my identity has changed. You see, when I came to Christ, there was a trade that took part. And this is where we sometimes forget what actually happened. 
Jesus traded his life as an atonement for my sins. He paid a price. A trade took place. The wrath of God was satisfied. And when I came to Jesus with an act of my will, and we won't go into the fact that he pursued me as well, but as I came to Jesus with an act of my will, I said, I want to follow you, a trade took place. And this trade that took place was, actually, I give you my sins. I acknowledge my sins. And as a result of acknowledging my sins and the price that you paid, I receive back the gift of forgiveness and the hope of eternal life. That's a pretty good trade, isn't it? As I traded over, there's something else came. I traded over a non-eternal perspective. I traded my, I'm in the now with a, no hope, and I received the hope. I traded an emptiness, and I received the filling of the Spirit. And here's the thing that we don't like to trade. Because that all sounds great. That's like, yes, love it. I trade who is in control of my life to you. And the Lord says, okay. Because Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. But here's the thing. When I first came to Jesus Christ, pretend something's in my hand, I went, yeah, I'm all in. But I kept a little bit of me over here. Because I wasn't sure whether he was all in and all could be as he claimed to be. And so I wasn't going to let him be Lord of all of my life, just some of my life. Because guess what? And I know none of you have had this problem at all. I knew better than God. <laughs> I'd worked out in my thinking, God, that's a great plan. But guess what? I've got a better plan. And I'm keeping hold of some of this because I think my plan is going to work better than your plan. So there we go. Anybody been like that? Or was it just the lonely me? Oh, thanks, Chris. You'll go to heaven for putting your hand up. <laughs> I love you more than I love everybody else in this room. That, that is amazing. The Apostle Paul had worked out that we are complex beings. And actually, in the life group that Claudia and I lead, we're talking about this whole complexity of who we are. What is myself? What is my soul? What is my mind? What is my body? What is my spirit? What is my ego? What are my emotions? Uh, what is my feelings? Uh, what on earth is God? What's, what on earth am I? Who am I? The world says you should look after yourself. That's good. The world says that you should treasure yourself. That's good. The world says you should have great self-understanding. That's good. But I want you to know that it's all about self. And self is about me and self is about you. Whereas the words of God that we read here from Jesus, he says, deny yourself. So things that we may deny. And, and we find out who's in control 
of our being when we start to deny ourselves, don't we? So, if we deny ourselves a glass of wine, and uh, you say, right, for Lent, I'm not going to have a glass of wine. And, you know, you come to the evening, and you think, I'm going to, I need that glass of wine. Do you know, I could kill if someone doesn't, if someone's nasty to me, I'm, I'm. And, and so what is actually happening? There is this internal battle that's going on. My emotions and my mind and body are trying to usurp, get on top of the act of my will to deny myself. There's this power struggle going on. There's a who's in control of my life. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, and you can read it for yourself, and you'll know it, and I'll paraphrase it slightly. He says, I don't do the things that I want to do. Instead, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I do them. You see, because when we deny ourselves, something comes to the front. Something moves up the level as to find out who's in control of our lives. Now, uh, wine, yeah, I'm not too bad at giving up wine, but here's the one that if you got on the wrong side of me when I'm trying to give it up, death could be an option. Okay? Now, I do this with a certain other member of the family, and we did it last year, and um, it's no carbs. Oh, my goodness me. You know, Jesus or carbs? And I don't say that flippantly. There was, there was, there was this beast in my being that as soon as I said, no bread, no pasta, no rice, no potatoes, sorry for you Italians, I know that's a cut, you know, uh, you know uh, so as soon as I said that, I was like, I can do this. There was this inner turmoil because I was denying myself sugars. Now I know I'm being flippant. But Jesus says you must deny yourself. Because you see, when we do this, it reveals something about us as a human being. It shows actually what is really in control. You must deny yourselves. You must take up your cross. What were the words that we read earlier? What is it good if you gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? Now, most uh, theologians would say that's talking about the, the future tense. That's the future idea. That if you want the whole world but you don't look after your soul, then you lose your soul. You'll now have no eternal perspective with, with Father God. But actually, I don't think what they're talking about is a destination. I think Jesus is talking about a diagnosis. Many fulfill, uh, forfeit wholeness of our souls because we are focusing on the wrong things in life. You see, your soul created by God, the breath of God comes into you, it's your who you are. Your body will die and wane and gravity will take over. Your mind may succumb to dementia and other horrors. But your soul has an eternal perspective, with or without God. 
But your soul, because it's made in the image of God, is created for relationship and unity. And the soul is you, with all that complexity of all the other stuff that's part of you. And your soul wants relationship with God the Father, with other people, and within yourself, of knowing peace and unity of body, mind, and spirit, and your will. You see, Jesus knows. And that's why he says, hey, you can't buy a soul, you're given one. Is your soul the captain of your life? Or are there other things that are ranging within your being that determine what you will or won't have? Jesus says, deny yourself. He also talks about fasting. And so let's have a little look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Today, fasting has become almost popularized in dieting as well. And the health benefits of um, not eating certain things and not eating at certain times has been proven actually for a healthy perspective, healthy minds and healthy bodies. So there's a, there's a science behind fasting. And back when Jesus wrote these words, you'll remember that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He went without food. And what did the enemy come and try and stop that fasting? Do you want some bread? You see, the enemy wants to distract your will. The enemy wants to distract you into things that are not that important to where what Jesus was doing. And at that time, and perhaps a little bit now, when you were fasting, primarily, and there are other fasts, and we don't have time to explain and unpack all the other different fasts, but it was a point there where you were gleaning, making, and eating. There was time taken to actually produce food. Now, some of us, we do everything instantly in microwave, Others of us actually produce food from start to finish. But there was time. And I want you to notice as well from that passage that we just said, it doesn't say if you fast. It says twice, and this is Jesus' words to us, when. When. Now sometimes, collectively, we fast together. But what's the inference here? The inference here that Jesus is saying, because he talks about the character who's going to be blessed by this, is our relationship with the Father. What we're doing here, and Jesus is doing here, and most of the fasting in the scriptures are doing here, it is carving out 
time, space. So if I fast from not drinking wine, there are health benefits, but actually opening a cork mm, takes me, I'm pretty skilled at that, three seconds, and picking up a glass of wine, you know, that's, it's, it's not creating space. What it is doing, and it's doing certain job, is self-denial. But it's not creating space. You see, a fast was to create space so that we could find the space to commune, to have time with Father God. Space. Not Star Trek. Space. Time. To be with the Father. And so over Lent we do the self-denial thing, which is really important, and we should continue to do that because it then shows us, reveals to us what is really important in our lives. But also, Jesus says, when you fast, it should be something that we do regularly to create space. Now, eating or not eating, that does create a bit of space. But it could be and some of you do this on social media, you decide that you're creating space to give your thumb a rest as you scroll down because you're going to take half an hour of your world from checking out everybody else's world to ensure that your world with God is good. And maybe it's half an hour a day where you decide that you're not going to have a meal but you are going to have time with God. Maybe it's the two hours of watching TV or catching up on the latest Netflix series that you go, actually, for the next 40 days, I'm going to be Netflix-free. I can see some of you really squirming at the moment. But why is it? Because it shows what's controlling us rather than letting our wills be submitted to him. You see, fasting is saying, I want to create space to be with the Father because this is more important as I intercede, as I tell you, God, about what is really important. I've noticed in 25 years of pastoring that when someone falls in love, it's amazing the amount of space and time that they can create. They'll even go without food. They'll even give up chocolate. They'll even pretend to be polite the whole time. They will do amazing things because there is this relationship that they want to defend that is important and they create space to develop it. In this period of Lent, in this period of self-denial, to take up your cross, to deny yourself, to when you fast, it is a, re it's a, a, re a revealing of what's most important in our lives. It reveals that. Hey, I'm like you. I'm like Paul. There's, there's things that if I have to give them up, there is a raging war that takes place in my being. I'm, I'm like Jesus. Really, Jesus? Am I like you? Yeah, because when you said to God the Father, I don't really want to do this, 
I, I have that question, but here's the question when I'm not like Jesus. He bent the knee. I walk away. Because of cost. He went all in. I'm learning to. And so self-denial is the great revelation of when we deny ourselves, then actually we see something of delight because God reveals himself even more to us. You know the old, the old illustration about the dog and the bone? You know that one, don't you? I'll finish with this because it brings it down to my level of intellect. You know that one? There's a, you know, I said, give me the bone to the dog. He's got this little icky bone. He's like, no, not doing it. That's dog speak, by the way. No, I've got the bone. It's pretty cool. There's no way I'm letting go of the bone. Go on, just give me the bone. Nope. And just to make sure you can't get hold of my bone, when I'm tired with it, I'm going to go and hide it so that you can't find it, so I can find it and pick it up because that's dogs for you. If you haven't got a dog, they'll do that. Want to take something from him? Go, oh, I'll hide this, then the silly old fool won't know where I put it, and I'll go back to it when I want it. But if he'd let go of the bone, what have I got behind my back? A bigger bone! That's the deal! Deny ourselves. Fast. So this Lent, encourage you, yeah, deny yourself, whatever it may be, and see what is in control of your life as you take up your cross and follow the one who completely denied himself. But fasting, just reflect on the things that you may be giving up. Is it creating space for yourself to have time with God? And if it's not, maybe do something that you can be self-denial over. But maybe you should also create space by stopping something. So that you can have more time with the Father because he wants more time with you. That's it. And here's why it's a good deal. He's prepared to give up everything for you. And did so. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. Maybe you've known Jesus for a long while. But I want to remind you that the Savior of the world, the Son of God, gave up his life for you gave up everything, heaven's glory for you. He died on a cross. He, he took the pain that was rightfully yours. He dealt with the rubbish of the life which you're so embarrassed about. And he dealt with it, and all that we have to acknowledge is, yeah, we've muffed up. And we do that trade thing because he loves you. And the guys are going to lead us in just a moment to this table, which is a 
meal, and we're going to serve you where you are, it's a meal that reminds us that he denied himself. It's a meal that reminds us that he gave up everything. It's a meal of love. And it's a meal that says you can receive this and be made whole again. So, walking ancient paths. Why self-denial? Because it aligns ourselves with what's most important. Why fasting? Because it creates space, time, to spend with the Father who loves you. Are we good? Right. I want you in your head as we come to this table. Come on up, Dan. What is the bone that you hold? What is that thing that God the Father is going, come on now. Come on now.